Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. How are you this evening? I am in post-birthday bliss. What a wonderful time I had yesterday. Oh, happy, happy birthday, Susan. Thank you. Wow. 75 years, quite amazing. 
I'm not sure if the yeah. child, if the child Susan <clears throat> would have been able to grok it. I remember the child Susan thinking, I wonder if I'll live until the year 2000. And here it is, 2021. Mm. Wow. Mm. We had yet more snow today. That's always a delight to have nature say, oh, just don't do anything today. Everything's canceled today. So lovely. Without it, without it being a disaster, you know. Indeed, indeed. So pretty when it snows. It gets so quiet. The sound changes, and it is a nice day to just do nothing. It is. It is. Tonight we're going to be talking to Maureen Walton, who is a professional mural artist. She works with the Inca Lumina Structure Meditation Yantra and has been called upon to express the path and work of the leading women of the Iroquois Peacemaker story. So, you can stay with us until 9 o'clock East Coast time when Maureen Walton will be with us, or you can come back, because she's going to be really fascinating, and she has a lot to say. How about you? Anything up with you that you want to talk about, Sarah Ellen? Oh, goodness. Well, we've enjoyed a lot of snow here as well with more to come, and we've had really cold temperatures, so I have also been taking nature's call to spend less time out in the barn and be inside more right now. Um, yeah, it's it's been lovely, though. Um, ordered some seeds last week to get started, hopefully, in the spring, and um Welcome some barn cats to the barn. And, yeah, that's about it. Yes, it's that wonderful, quiet February time where you pretty much have exhausted all the minor things that you have to do, and it's too cold to do the major things, and you can just rest and yes. plan yes. and dream. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have any people with questions tonight? We do. We have several callers on the line, and two have pressed one to let us know that they have a question and would like to speak with you. Uh, so our first caller tonight is calling in from the 310 area code, and I will open the line. You are live on the air with Susan in the 310. Hello, Susan. Hi. Happy, happy birthday to you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so wonderful to be here and to talk with you. Um, I actually had called a couple weeks ago, um, and we had talked about my my health, and specifically I was having some challenges around um, eating and digestion and having some severe pain in my upper abdomen. And uh, you had asked for me to call back and to give an update. So uh, I thought I would, I thought I would call and let you know um, 
what's going on and what's been going on the last couple weeks. Yes. So, um, so yeah, I, um, I, I really, uh, I took your advice and, and really tried to calm my, myself, my body, my mind, and really um, turn toward serenity medicine and, and really try to get in touch with what my body was, was trying to tell me. Um, I determined uh, that I, it was something quite serious, and um, I set it upon myself to do some research and try to figure out what was what was happening because I wasn't um, I, I, because of the pain level because of my inability to eat any any solid foods um, and what I, you know it's hard to say for sure but um, I believe that the thing that it may have been was um, a mild episode of acute uh, pancreatitis. Um, I, I say this because uh, I, many, many of the symptoms lined up. And I also discovered that the quickest and uh, the protocol for handling this sort of thing when your pancreas is inflamed like that is to, um, is to fast. Uh, and so I decided to try that since I figured it, it wouldn't hurt. And I, was, I turned toward bone, bone broth. Um, other organic uh, sort of chicken broth. I, I made sure to continue to drink my herbal infusions. In fact, I was heavily relying on nettle during that time to really, I, I, I needed nettle <laughs> and nettle very much supported me and, and got me the, the necessary nutrients. Um, through fasting for about five days, um, I was able to virtually bring or, or I should say my, my body seemed to return to a more stable place where I was actually able to start eating solid foods again. Um, the pain was lingering, but that was lessening. And so over that period of time, after about the five days, I noticed a significant improvement um, in, in, in the abdominal pain. And, um, and so all of that has been really wonderful and felt really good. And I'm so grateful that I was able to figure that out um, and that I was able to help to restore some healing, like I said, to what I believe may have been an inflamed pancreas. I agree with you mm-hmm. very much on all counts. It's, sounded and felt very much to me like your pancreas. I couldn't get a really clear feeling as to how serious the problem was, but I knew you would be able to. Mm-hmm. And that the information mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. needed was going to be available to you. May I share with you a little bit more in terms of what I came to realize and a little bit of a, of a history because um, so part of this, which I hadn't brought in last week, which I also realized was important, an important piece of this is that I began drinking um, about eight years ago on a daily basis. And I had in my mind sort of talked myself into believing that it was fine 
that it was safe, that it was okay because it was only quote unquote only uh, one or two drinks a, a day, but it was, it was quite literally every day for about, uh, about eight years. I, I tried stopping right before the uh, pandemic and I was able to, you know, turn toward more occasional drinking. But then once the pandemic started, I then thought, oh, well, gosh, like I, I quote unquote need a drink. Um, it was primarily wine, uh, red wine. And then when I started to have um, a, re- a, um, a negative response, I, I could feel my body becoming sick when I would drink wine rather than realizing it was the drinking. I thought, well, it's the wine. <laughs> So I I thought I'll just switch to something else. And so I started drinking beer. But then over the course of the last year, I have been getting sick when I would drink. But again, it was very, for some reason, I seemed to have this mental block with it. I I just really felt like I needed it and I relied on it. And I was not able to make the correlation with with the, uh, the nausea that I was experiencing. So I started experiencing nausea while I would, when I would drink, but then also even when I wasn't drinking I would have like uh, several days long where I would have these intense bouts of nausea sometimes accompanied by headaches other times accompanied by by uh, severe severe fatigue feeling in my body so this was coming on more and more leading up to this uh, you know this pancreas issue a few weeks ago and um, the nausea, I got, it got to be so bad that I, I realized, okay, I need to stop. And when I stopped drinking, um, it then the nausea actually came on in a very intense way for about a week. I couldn't, I couldn't really do much. I couldn't really work. This was before like the pain and, and the, um, the other issues started, you know, not being able to eat. It was just the nausea. And I didn't relate it to anything other than maybe it was my body detoxing from so many years, you know, or so many months of, of drinking regularly. But now looking back, I think well, I'm realizing One of the reasons I am so anti-detox, because it leads oh, okay. people to totally misread their bodies. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as detoxing. Right. Right. But go ahead. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so I believe that I, I, it may have been my, my liver speaking up <laughs> and saying, um, you know, that, that perhaps it was affected somehow by the alcohol. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. And I bring, I bring this into the conversation cause I'm, I'm curious to know if, if you have any sense of, whether there's any sort of liver unhappiness with all of with this hap- other stuff happening um, with my pancreas and so forth. <clears throat> when I was first seriously considering being public, before I did that, I spent a couple of years doing investigative work and part of that was interviewing a lot of healers and I had a series of questions I asked them and one of them was what would be the most important thing for me to focus on in terms of the human body and 90% of them said deliver 
no matter what is going on, if you nourish and strengthen the liver, the person has a much greater likelihood of restoring health. Mm-hmm. So, if the question is, should I help my liver, the answer is always yes. Mm-hmm. And dandelion makes it so easy. You know, any part of the plant harvested at any time of the year and prepared in any way makes a wonderful mm-hmm. medicinal remedy. I have an order placed for some dandelion tincture made from 100 proof vodka, which is on its way to me now, and I'm eagerly. Yay! <laughs> yeah. So I think you're doing um, well. I think you're really paying attention to um, your pancreas. And as you continue to work with serenity medicine, what you could do is to allow the part of your brain that helps to control the pancreas to be especially eased, nourished, soothed, supported. Oh, wow. I really love that idea. The part of my brain that helps and supports the pancreas. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, May I ask you one other thing? Would that be okay? Certainly. Um, thank, thank you. It's it's a little bit of um, alongside what's been going on. So I, as I said, I'm I'm doing much better. But one thing that um, has come up in the last few days is this um, this pain in my in my leg and my calf. Um, there were a couple of days right at the end of my fasting where I was beginning to feel uh, some lightheadedness, and so when I um, when I began eating again, um, I, I was noticing it and, and really taking a lot of care and not, not doing a lot of standing quickly and too much movement because it was a bit hard for a couple of days with the, with the dizziness and lightheadedness sort of while I, I regained um, more and more energy and so forth. Um, so I then started to notice a very sharp pain in my calf um, and I was, my first concern was perhaps um, blood clot um, because I had been so sedentary and I, and I had been actually for several weeks, but especially those last uh, two days. So um, they actually did do uh, the blood test that helps to predict it. So I think, you know, because it was getting, it kind of was staying at a very high level of pain in my leg. Um, and so after two days of that, not getting any better and also turning to um, St. Joan's wort to help sort of support my muscles um, during that period, I, th- I thought, well, I, I might as well just get it checked out. Um, and they did the predictive test and I can't remember the name of it, but they determined that it most likely was not a blood clot. So 
my question to you is if this is um, besides um, St. Joan's wart tincture, which I've actually now today, like I've been doing very regularly. I've been doing a couple dropper folds every hour, actually. Um, and I've also been drinking uh, linden infusion to help with any inflammation. Um, what other things, if any, might be supportive um, if this is some sort of muscle spasm um, in my calf? When you say sedentary, you mean that you're sitting still, lying in bed? Um, for those two days when I was the most lightheaded, uh-huh. um, it was lots of lying down flat or uh-huh. lying in a reclined position. And, and if I was sitting up, it was not a whole lot of movement because I noticed if I even moved or set up or even moved my head too quickly, I, I could get lightheaded. So there wasn't a whole lot of movement in general, and there was a lot of lying prone or slightly raised during those two days. All right. Should this happen again, what I want you to do to make sure you don't get any blood clots is every hour flex your feet. Mm. Just spend 60 seconds and count them off. Flexing your feet, if you get bored of doing that, rotate your ankles in circles, right? Do something. Mm-hmm. Hump the blood through your legs. And if you even just do it for one minute out of an hour, you'll be good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Meanwhile, there's no particular reason why lying still for a couple of days should be severely damaging to you. Mm-hmm. Now that you can begin increasing the amount that you do physically, and again, you can start in one-minute increments. If what you can do is get up and walk around for a minute, do that. I can't. I can't quite put weight on it. The 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 level of pain is still fairly high, especially when I take a step. Um, it's like a sharp spasm or cramp right in the center of my uh-huh. of my calf muscle. Uh, if you have um, a cane or lean on the wall, can can you move it all? Mm-hmm. I have been moving. I have been using a cane. To help support me, you know, getting to the bathroom and so forth, yeah. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Good, good. Start from from that and increase it a little bit. You've had it checked out. So it's not the kind of pain that's saying, stop, stop, do not do this. Mm Mm-hmm. This is the kind of pain that we have to say, yes, there, there, I'm so sorry, I hear you, tough luck. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons to get it checked out so that we know that we can say, Okay, yeah. I I am so sorry, but this is this is what we need 
to do here. There's always a point in our physical rehabilitation where we are strong enough and it's safe enough to push ourselves a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to, to say, yeah, that hurts, but that's okay. And um, the plants that contain salicin, which is the compound from which aspirin is made, are renowned as being pain relievers, topically as well as internally. And those include spirea aspirin from spirea, willow bark, um, some members of the rose family. But mostly, in my experience, what helps is to apply a different temperature. That can be hot, that can be cold, depending on what feels right to you. Mm-hmm. It can be a bag of frozen peas. It can be a heating pad. And if you want to, after your temperature therapy, to then rub any kind of herbal oil on the area, hypericum oil, Willow oil, even dandelion oil, which is renowned for helping to heal. Mm. Or whatever you have. Just mm-hmm. look, just look through the oils and ointments that you have on hand, and see which one calls out to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now, wonderful. I um. I appreciate you so much, Susan, and thank you so much for your time. Truly, truly a gift. Good night. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Okay. We have five callers with their hands raised at this time. And I'd like to remind everyone else listening, if you have a question, please press 1 to let us know. And now we'll go to our next caller from the 360 area code. You're live on the air with Susan. Hello, Susan. This is Moki Hanna. Hi. Hi. Your birthday was wonderful. We were there with you yesterday. Thank you so much for being there. I had a great well, time. Yes, it was It was great. And um so fun to see all the other people, and um, I wonder if there is uh, a way for me to um, get um, a birthday present, which is a blog post that um, that I put up on my blog to um, to send to you. Is there a, an email or a, an address I could uh, I could link this to this blog post? I think. Probably the best email address is wisewoman at herbshealing.com. Okay, wisewoman at herbshealing.com. Okay, 
Great. Good. Um, and I have a um, I have a question for you about um, uh, about blood pressure, high blood pressure. Um, I spoke with you of a year ago, and then I spoke with you a couple weeks ago, and um, since um, since last February, um, when I when I spoke with you and worked with um, a rash that was appearing on my face, and you you determined that I I could look at the anger that was start, starting to surface on my face, and and I paid attention to that, um, and I have been paying attention to that over the last year, um, and in the paying attention um, over the last year. I um, I began to uh, slowly remove myself from the high blood pressure medication that I've been taking for many years, and slowly reduced my doses until um, about two weeks ago. I um, I began to just use the um, motherwort and St. Jones and heart, um, heart uh, or wild rose tincture to slowly begin to listen to what my body was saying is I've been, um, I've, I've been using the blood pressure medication to calm myself to the point where I could really never hear whether or not what I was ex- what I was expecting of my body was to never get angry. If I took the beta blockers, I could feel calmed, but I couldn't ever really feel myself. And over the last two weeks, I'm listening to my heart because all of a sudden she wants to race. So she wants, she races, and I'm not sure how to listen to her. And um, so last night, after sitting, doing serenity medicine and um, my other practices of jinshin jitsu to, um, to listen to and just allow what my body was feeling to feel. Um, I thought of something that um, was a placebo, which I I applied from reading um, your books over the years about what placebos were. And I um, took a couple of those capsules or pills that I'd taken over the years, and I didn't take it take the pills, what I did was to hold them in my fingers between my thumb and my um, index finger, which in the practice of Jin Shin Jitsu are the, the two fingers for worry and fear. And I just slept with those two fingers around um, the beta blocker that I used to take for years. And I went to sleep... And 
I was able to live with the feeling of my heart wanting to race into being so fully alive and excited. Um, and uh, slept. So I wonder what you think of uh, what I've just described to you. I think it's brilliant. I'm uh, I'm in awe. I'm sitting here thinking, what a what a perfect evening that callers are calling in and sharing with us these amazing insights and discoveries and ways of being abundantly well. I uh, I, I enjoyed the first caller's um, questions as well. And um, I feel that um, it is a, an important shift to to be able to speak the the feelings of um, recognizing how different it is for me to uh, experience anger when it comes, to actually just let it fly. And um, people around me are surprised, um, and I tell them, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not taking this medication. It's been a long time, so I may just, if I'm angry, I'm going to, I'm going to speak it right then, and um, I've been able to experience the sensation afterwards, which is an incredible lightness of spirit. There's nothing, there's nothing to burn up. Um, and so this experience of my racing heart and being able to tell me, tell myself in the story medicine, this is your heart wanting to just, she's so excited to be alive. And um, it's Okay. It's really, in, in fact, it's, it's great. Who knows where it is you're going to go with this. So um, it, was, it was an unexpected way to, um, to spend the night after waking up on Zoom to celebrate your birthday, which was also an amazing thing. I don't think I would have the chance to celebrate your birthday except on Zoom. So a blessing to the Internet for that and for being able to talk with you. And um, thank you, Susan. Mahalo. Thank you for sharing with us. We are blessed. I appreciate it. Green blessings. Good day. Green blessings. All right. Our next caller is calling in from the 605 area code. You are live on the air with Susan from the 605. Hello. Am I still okay. connected? You are connected. I don't I'm, think our... They aren't. Is yeah, so we'll, we can move on. We have several more callers who have pressed one to let us know that they have 
a question. And our next caller is calling from the 469 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Hello. Hi. This is Susan as well. Okay, and Susan. Yes, but I can't hear you. I'm not sure what's happened. I heard you at first, Susan, but now I can't hear you. Perhaps you're on the cell phone, and that's part of the problem. I'm not sure. Okay, we can move to the next caller if you'd like. All right. And I can come back to Susan. Susan? Okay, very good. Um, our next caller is calling from the 845 area code. You are now live on the air with Susan. Thank you. Good evening and happy birthday, Susan. Thank you. Um, I um, I am grateful for my daily practices that you taught me so I can take care of myself. And also I have a, a question around um, the healing of the heart through a strictly vegan um diet and I heard some doctors talking about it and I I am not as far as I remember I believed from the beginning of time that we are omnivores not vegans and this doctor said we are all our inner formation and the way the body works shows that you know we came down from the trees and still eating fruits and vegetables um, well I beg to differ right there primates that eat fruit for instance have a stomach that rapidly empties they tend to eat very very ripe fruit and they most of them have to eat about 20 hours a day <laughs> they have a relatively um, long digestive system, as m- most plant eaters do, because it's difficult to get nutrition from plants. Mm-hmm. Our digestive system is relatively short, as in the case of most carnivores or omnivores because we eat cooked food and because we eat animal products from which it is easier to get the nutrition. Mm -hmm. So it may be that we have descended from amoebas, (laughs) but it doesn't mean that we eat what amoebas eat. I am definitely not a, a candidate to turning vegan at 78 of age. But um, the second thing that considering my health is 
a question about the intermittent fasting, which I did for the last three weeks, and um, I completely lost the desire to continue, and I am a little concerned because I did I did lose some weight, and I believe it is good to give the body a rest, especially if I am attached to pleasure from food. It's good to, you know, 14 hours to not eat, but I want your opinion on that in relationship to the healing capacity of my body and my heart. If it's if I have to give myself a kick in the behind and try to stay with intermittent fasting. The idea that we should give our digestive system a rest has always led me to say that if we're going to give our digestive system a rest, that there's a preparation that we have to um, involve ourselves in, which is, first of all, we have to give our respiratory organs a rest. Mm -hmm. Before you give your digestive system a rest, stop breathing for a while. (laughs) And then once you've done that, give your circulatory system a rest and stop circulating your blood for a while. And once you've gone through those preparatory exercises, you're ready to give your digestive system a rest. Which makes about as much sense as not breathing or not circulating your blood. Well, not breathing, I thought, you know, that was a euphemism for just dying. (laughs) Well, and so is giving your digestive system a rest a euphemism for dying. I want to hear more about that. You know, one of the things that happens to almost everybody when they go on some kind of special diet Mm -hmm. is that they lose weight. And almost any kind of diet will result in a weight loss, especially during the early days of the diet. So it does not impress me very much when someone says, I lost weight on this diet. What I want to know is, and were you able to keep that weight off for a long time? Was this a lifestyle change? Because that's what we're really looking at. Yes, yes. And it it can be very subtle things. So, Do you, what I heard you say, and I know this isn't actually what you said, but it's what I heard. Do I need to continue to punish myself (laughs) for not living up to my own ideal of what I should look and be like? Or have I done enough? And my answer is you have done enough And because you're you, you will continue to do more. How wonderful. (laughs) Everybody is saying that fasting is the most natural way of healing. Uh, I can't be totally deaf to an enormous amount of information that comes forward now about healing uh, yourself naturally with fasting, including the heart and everything that has to be 
Uh, I cannot do that. Uh, I tried for one day. I can't fast, but I can take, you know, half of the time not to eat. And I thought that that can be helpful. And what you're telling me is that not not necessarily. Not necessarily. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> if what you're not eating is very poor quality food, then, wow, that's a great gain. But what if you're not eating is good quality food, mm-hmm. then then I don't get it. No, I eat very well, but right. I lose weight, yeah. I'm looking for the most natural way to lose weight without restricting. And during the time I, I, I sleep most of the fast, you know, I'm, I'm not doing much these days. Uh, the time that I eat, I eat well. Um, of course, if I would not have the 14 hours that I want as a goal, I would probably eat more. And uh, I don't want to. I carry a lot of weight. It's heavy on me. It's hard for me to to walk, to stand. Uh, I don't know if the weight can alleviate that maybe not, but uh, I have 200 pounds, and my normal weight all my life was 130. So the difference is quite big. I absolutely hear you, and I hear your desire to do that. And what I'm saying is that the studies that I'm looking at say that people who are doing intermittent fasting lose weight and people who restrict their calories lose weight. And that there's nothing magic about fasting. Well, fasting means restricting calories, (laughs) doesn't it? (laughs) I think that if what you're trying to do is replicate earlier primates, that you should have small meals throughout the day rather than to fast. Yeah, I do that. Monkey ancestors don't go 14 hours without food. They eat for 20 hours a day. Oh, oh no, no, I, I don't have that. And I'm not suggesting that you eat for 20 hours a day. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that, there's, that it's not like there's some magic healing about fasting. Oh, and these voices have been there in the heroic tradition for a very long time. It's not a whole bunch of new information. There's been some animal studies in which they've looked at, and they call them restricted calorie diets, is what the scientists call them. And they find that Within reason, animals put on a restricted calorie diet tend to live longer. Yeah. Whether or not they enjoy themselves as much, we don't know because they didn't ask them. Yeah, it's healthier not to eat to the fullest to stop after 75% of the appetite. (laughs) I don't, uh, yeah, I do eat uh, small amounts throughout the day. I can't yeah. eat, yeah. 
I think, you know, just in terms of looking at how your diet might fit in to the diet of earlier animals, that would be more the way animals would do it than to fast. Mm-hmm. Unless they're like a big cat, right, or a dog, which often has to go for long times without any prey. It's said that there are ancestral lines that learned how to do feast and famine. That these people developed ways of eating a whole lot when there was a lot to eat and then not eating when there wasn't anything to eat. But this was more like eat a woolly mammoth and then don't eat. Not like 14 hours. And then when you didn't eat, you still ate, but not much. You know, then it was like bone broth and gnawing the sinews and so on. And certainly people in desert regions have that so that when they get food on a regular basis, they tend to become diabetic. So there's a lot of... um, different ways that we have worked it out in our stay on this planet in all the different environments that there are as to how best to work it for ourselves. And in general, do, I think, a really excellent job of listening to yourself. Thank you. I... uh... I I feel that there is some benefit from uh, not eating 12 to 14 hours. I can't do more than that. Uh, But then, yes, after three weeks, I feel like I'm being regimented, and I don't like like to be regimented. I don't like anything militaristic. Exactly what I'm saying, right? The if we're going to change our health habits, we really need to change our habits. And if we're not enjoying ourselves, that's not going to happen. And it's part of the reason that I am a high priestess of the goddess, because she says. All acts of pleasure and beauty are in honor of me. And I like participating in ceremonies in which I am asked to be loving and be kind and be um, beautiful. Yeah, that seems a lot better than the Judeo-Christian a bringing that I had, hmm. you know, with all of the martyrs and how they suffered in graphic detail. <laughs> and I remember sitting there, you know, Sunday after Sunday, reading about all of the women and how they were tortured and maimed and burned, and it was really quite appalling in that young brain to be putting all that information in. But somehow, we many of us have managed to move it aside and to embrace 
joy and the beauty and the pleasure of life. Yes. I, think, I think that tonight has really been a, a hymn to the pleasure and to opening ourselves to that pleasure and accepting that pleasure and saying, yes, indeed, I'm, I am good enough and pure enough and, and holy enough and sacred enough to accept the pleasure of being alive. Freedom. Thank you. Thanks for your call. Thank you, thank you. Green blessings. Good night. All right. We have five callers that have raised their hand with a question. Uh, we will go back to the 469. She just called back in. So from the 469, you are live on the air with Susan. Hello, Susan. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, perfectly. That's excellent. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yay. Thank you for taking my call again. Happy birthday. Thank you. And I'm sorry I missed the birthday party. I'm sure it was very exciting. I have, um, I have a question about an herbal ally that I'm seeking, and I have been for some time. So I have found several that I absolutely love, and I've I'm using them as herbal allies, but I really have a trouble have trouble with a very dry mouth. My tongue has been dry and inflamed for a couple of years, if not longer. And so I do several things trying to rectify it, but I just am not um, succeeding. And so um, I have a new theory after listening to um, you and one of your callers the other night regarding her frozen shoulder and what do they say about shoulders. And so I'm realizing that I have always had, probably since birth or my very young age, at a very young age, and I'm 60 now, a problem with nerves. And I... Um, was thinking about tongue, and I'm thinking about the cat's got my tongue and has forever. And so is there an herbal ally that possibly could help with the combination? The combination of cat's got your tongue. And, and being nervous. And, and being nervous. And your tongue, and your tongue being very, very dry. And did you... Hear, see poetry at the inauguration? No, ma'am, I did not. I can go back and listen to it. Please do, because that young woman who read that poem out loud has a, 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 a speech problem. I know. I so she, have uh, She talked about how much... She practiced to be able to do that, and it's just an amazing thing that she does and that she carries it off with such grace and such aplomb. So um, there's um, also a movie about a king of England. I've seen that. Right? So uh, that's a a pretty uh, interesting 
um, tale there For as me, well. For me, it's more the words just don't come. I, I'm not, um, it's, 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 it's more not than like, a prompt thing. The words just don't come, and so I clam up. And uh-huh. Uh-huh. maybe that has something to do with my dry tongue. Yeah, maybe, maybe it does. So what kind of herb then could um, help the words come? It sounds like what you're what you're asking about. I would about. love for there to be a word that would help, uh, a, an herb that would help with that. I I don't know. I have been um, taking ashwagandha for a, a long time, and uh-huh. um, and what do you know the botanical name of ashwagandha? I would have to look that up. It's Wisteria somnifera. And in somnia means lack of sleep, and somnifera means the herb that puts you to sleep. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, I'm trying to calm nerves with it. <laughs> and, and handle the stresses of the day. And handle the stresses of the day. I'm not so sure, but that it isn't too internal for you. And that something more like motherwort might be a little stronger. Okay. You know, motherwort has a very strong and clear personality. And I think that that's what we're looking for here in this alliance is something that both um, can calm anxiety and make you feel easier, uh, but at the same time um, really give you things to say. I often tell the story of Edith's daughter, who got a divorce and then she didn't think that the husband was taking care of the child when it was his time to take care of the child. And so she didn't send the child to dad's and he sued for full custody and the judge gave him full custody. And she came back to where her mom and I were and she was really, really ready just to kill the judge and, you know, kill her husband. And we, of course, advised against that. And we gave her some motherwort tincture. And within half an hour, she was sitting there making plans to kill the judge and kill her husband. Hmm. So that, right? So motherwort doesn't turn you into a zombie. It doesn't take away what you're feeling. But it gives you like a, a, a an ability to express it and to take it out into the world in an effective way. All right. Thank you. I've researched Mother Ward and listened to you speak of Mother Ward, and for some reason I have just dismissed it, thinking that is not the herb for me. And I heard you speak of Mugwort at one time, and I am in the process of just this week I purchased a Mugwort tincture. Um, and you were talking about the combination of Mother Ward, Mugwort, and chickweed, which is Chickweed is extremely demulcent, and then, you know, I went straight to Crohn's work. 
but you think I should do the motherwort instead. I like motherwort. Okay. Cronewort, again, is another sleeping herb. Is it? Okay. And I am looking for more elusive dreams. <laughs> That's fine. You can sleep with it. But you're asking for an ally to help you be more forward. Yes, absolutely. And do you believe the tincture and the Oh, tea? yes. No one, would drink, no, no one would drink motherwort. It tastes really awful. Okay. The tincture tastes like chocolate. All right, cheap chocolate, but it tastes like chocolate. Do you have a prescription, possibly, as in how many times a day on that tincture or how many drops? Hopefully, you'll be able to get motherwort tincture made from the fresh flowering tops in vodka. And what I think works very well is to start out by taking five to ten drops of the tincture. And then give yourself a little time, even as short as five minutes, to see what happens with that. And okay. if, it, if it's not enough, take some more. Okay. And every five or ten minutes, take some more. But keep track of how much you're taking. And then the next time you take it, take that much as a dose. So if you take five drops, three times, then 15 drops would be your starting dose next time. I, All right. I appreciate that. Can I ask one more quick question? Which is? Well, the infusions, I've been drinking them for a couple of years. I have stopped recently, but I've started up again um, because of this dryness. Is it the teas and not enough water? Um, is it okay to add, I know you advocate single herbs only, to add a demulcent herb like comfrey to each one of the um, what what I prefer to do is to brew a quart of marshmallow or brew a quart of comfrey and mm-hmm. keep it in the refrigerator and have a cup or half a cup a day separately. Okay. Okay. And did you say the word water? I did. I did. Well, well stop I'm trying everything. Stop drinking that stuff. Water is the opposite of hydrating. Water makes well, you dry. The, the um, teas of all kinds, which I just love. I have an apothecary of herbs. I make all kinds of teas, but they all are so drying for my mouth. Almost all of them. I've found some that aren't, aren't as much. So but linden is not drying? No, linden is not. And oat straw I love. And Ostra is not drying. But and is, and um, so is um, red clover. But red, clover is very, red clover is very astringent. And what I suggest is that you have it hot with milk and honey. Okay. Wouldn't have thought to do that. That's what people who don't like the astringency of coffee and tea do, isn't it? I didn't realize it was because of the astringency. Yeah. I'm one to not care for sweet. I'd prefer it just as it is, the flavor that it is. And so I yeah. don't add honey usually. But, yeah, um, red clover with milk and honey is just wonderful. It's like soup. Okay, I will do that. 
really All short. Right. And try some miso in warm nettle. Okay. Because the nettle itself is not astringent. It has a lot of minerals, so it has a kind of mouth, a minerally mouth feel, but it doesn't actually have any astringent action. But the miso will change around that mouth feel enough. Thank you very much. I'm glad I called. Uh, Great blessing. Thanks for your call. Good night. Good night. Okay, um, our next caller is calling in from the 650 area code. You are live on the air with Susan. Oh, hi, Susan, and happy birthday. Thank you. What's up tonight? Well, um, I have a question about collecting flowers. I was collecting mugwort in the flowering stage and also goldenrod, and I found that I wanted to get them in the really full flower, but after... I put them in a in oil or I let them dry a little bit. They exploded and almost looked like a dandelion. You know, they got that white furry kind of stuff. And I was wondering at what stage you usually collect the flowers. Well, you're right that what you want is the flower at its fullness of bloom, but that isn't what you picked. Ah. Uh-huh. If you will actually sit and watch, and watch even for the development of the buds, they open, and they're pretty inconspicuous. And then they're more open, and they start to really have some color, and then they're more open. And you can, if you have a magnifying glass, even see the stamens, the pistils, the sexual organs of the plant. And then you see the insects coming to them. The ideal time to pick that flower is before the insects have come. Because once the insects pollinated, then Seeds are going to form in the ovary and in the Asteraceae family. Those seeds are often carried on the wind by a pappus, by a little, as you exactly said, little dandelion-like white tuft of stuff. So you want to collect that flower before it's been pollinated. That makes so sense it, to you? It will more more look like a ball than a flower then. No, it will be open. Mhm. But again, you, there sh- there should be little or no insect activity yet. Okay. Now the goldenrod is insect pollinated, so that's very easy to see when that's happening. With the cronewort, with the Artemisia vulgaris, that's wind-pollinated, so you won't ever see insects on it. And also, most plants, and especially perennial plants, like Artemisia vulgaris and Solidagos, 
um, are very adept at making a lot of seeds. So it's not surprising that they would enlist your help in spreading their seeds around. Mm-hmm. They they certainly want to do that, and uh, to get you you know to harvest their their flowers when oh yes this is a good time you know this will spread some seeds around um, is a little bit tricky but not too bad. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of Isla Burgess, who in studying a plant will go day after day and draw the flower bud so that she can actually see the minute changes that occur as it swells. This is certainly one of the times that I encourage people, especially in the Northeast, to go outside and look at the buds on the trees because over the next three weeks, there's going to be a big change in what's happening with the buds on the trees, and it's exciting to watch. Hmm. You know, you spoke with another caller about making um, dandelion oil. What parts of dandelion do you put in the oil? Any part you want to. Dandelion root or dandelion flower or dandelion leaf. Okay. And the flowers don't get moldy in the oil usually? If you push them down in there and make sure that you pick them when it hasn't been raining, then they don't. Okay. Could you also tell me, like, how do you make marshmallow infusion? Mine seems to always come out tasting kind of weak. Do you just pour the boiling water over the dried root? I do, mm-hmm. and after I drink that, I fill my jar with the roots still in it with cold water and put it in the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And um, the mucilagin marshmallow root comes out very well in cold water. And so that second brew will be much thicker and more like kind of oatmeal broth texture. Mm. Oh, yeah, I've heard you talk about that. Thank you. And depending on the marshmallow root, sometimes you can do that yet again. After mm-hmm. you finish, after you finish mm-hmm. the second one, you can put cold water over it again. There's sometimes just half the jar. You'll see. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks oh. for your call. Okay. Green blessings. Green blessings. Good night. All right, we have three callers that have their hands raised right now. The next caller is coming from the 401 area code. You are live on the show. Hi, Susan. Happy belated birthday to you. Thank you. Hi. Um, I have a couple of quick questions. Well, I think they're quick. Um, um, One is that I have a metal grasshopper garden decoration that got a bee's nest up in it, and so I had to spray it with bee spray and got it all over a beautiful sage plant. Um, would you use that sage plant, or 
should I refrain from using it since it was saturated last summer? Um, I'm sorry to say I have Usually what kills insects doesn't kill plants. Yeah, no, I'm I'm concerned about um, if it, if the plant is contaminated and you know. Well, what was what was in the spray that you used? It was one of the awful uh, Ray. Uh, I'm not even sure the the brand. I could go find the can and, and look it up, but um. Yeah, not not so much the brand is. What kind of chemical did you use? Do you know? Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of the. It was one of the popular uh, like wasps. It was a wasp nest, so it was. Uh huh. I, I would guess Ray, they, but I can look at the chemical. Well, I, I, you know, <clears throat> life is a chemical affair. <laughs> so it's not like chemical equals bad. Okay. And things can die from things that are okay. We were talking about our friend Denise, who is keeping the... Birds of her children, long story. Mm-hmm. And that she had birds before, but she inadvertently killed them by cooking a turkey. Oh. And hmm. apparently, and I, this, I was trying to figure out, I said, is it the turkey or is it the oven? And apparently it's the oven. When the oven is on for hours and hours, there's enough of something that's created that it can kill birds. Wow. Okay. Okay. But hmm. you can still eat the turkey. <laughs> right. So this is why I'm asking. I don't really know what you sprayed yeah. on there. And plants yeah. are pretty good at protecting themselves. Okay. And <clears throat> I personally... If the plant's still alive, I wouldn't worry. Okay. Okay. That's and if you wondering. think, you know, you want to, like, do something special for it, what I would. <laughs> give it a little seaweed. Oh. Okay. Okay. Okay, because sage is a plant of the Mediterranean area, and it likes dry, uh, poor soils. But a little seaweed is always appreciated. I'll grab a couple of handfuls next time I'm at the beach. There you go. Um, and I have two other quick ones, I believe. Um, okay. The second one, after listening to a lot of your callers and as far as trying to figure out um, or pinpoint some ailments and things, do you ever recommend the use of a pendulum to ask the body questions? I do my best not to recommend anything at all, but to open people up to options. And if you feel really keyed into a pendulum, there is certainly nothing at all wrong with using a pendulum. It is certainly one of the many ways that we can use to find out what's on our minds. I often suggest that people toss a coin if they're not sure if they should do A or B. And they say, well, what if the coin comes up with what I don't want to do? I say, well, that's the whole point of it is figuring out what you want to do. (laughs) 
Right. Not how the coin comes up. It's figure, if, if it comes up and you say, oh, that's the wrong side, well, then you know what you want to do. Exactly. Right. Okay. It <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> so, <laughs> um. so however okay. you can help yourself figure that out, so be it. How wonderful. Thank you. And um, the last thing is I just came across a several jars of go-to cola I bought uh, years ago, dried, um, when I did my first herbal apprenticeship. Um, is there anything you would recommend that I can do with that? Do you ever use go-to cola for anything? It's a, it's a wonderful herb for infusion. So I would say oh, just okay. no, just make some goat cola infusion with it. Okay, same sure. same as the others, an ounce of herb and and a quart of boiling water. Yeah, you got it. Great, beautiful. All right, all right. Thank you so much. Green blessings. Green blessings. Good night. Okay, we've got about uh, thirteen minutes remaining before the guest comes tonight, and there are two new callers. And our caller from the 605 is still on the line. So we will check back and see if they are on the line. In the 605, you are live on the air with Susan. Hello, Susan. Can you hear me? I can. Hi. Hello. I respect you so much. And uh, your knowledge and experience with herbs is very much uh, part of why I'm calling you, I want to thank you for your ongoing training and writing and lecturing and video demonstrations. And um, now that we have access to you uh, on the radio, it means a lot to me. Um, I'm a first-time caller. I am starting to uh, do the infusions. I'm learning from you. I have all but the linden. And uh, I want to thank you for your influence in my herbal journeys here. Uh, my, thank you. Pardon me? You are welcome and thanks to you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, the reason I'm calling is uh, in March of 2016 I underwent a double mastectomy for breast cancer at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota and so it will be five years now next month that I have been cancer free. Uh, prior to that I broke my back in 2013, and I do have osteoporosis, so I do have some bone problems. Over many generations, there have been many uh, in my family on both sides who have suffered various kinds of cancer, and many have passed away due to cancer. My mother and my sister both had breast cancer that metastasized to their bones and took their lives. So Mayo is concerned for me as well and is keeping a close eye on me. Now, this is uh, where I have a question here. In November, I started feeling an unusual sensitive sensation that I refer to as a tenderness rather than a pain in my right chest area. I couldn't detect whether it was in my uh, in my actual rib bones or under the ribs, such as an organ or liver, et cetera. So in December, I went back for a series of tests, including a liver, ultrasound, chest x-ray, blood work, and a physical exam. And the test showed the formation of a few gallstones uh, and also a small indeterminate, uh, indeterminable spot in my left lung. Uh, they suggested that I had a, have, would have a chest CT, but I have put that off for now because I'm shying away from the radiation required 
uh, for that test. And prior to finding out positive test results, they had wanted me to even undergo a bone scan and possible a bone biopsy, but I have also put that off. Um, I do have a fear of radioactivity, uh, and it's uh, you know it might cause cancer if I don't have cancer again now. I was just wondering if there's anything that comes to your mind for verbal support during this time when I'm trying to, you know, do what I can herbally. Yes, I think you're on the right track with the nourishing herbal infusions. And can you tell me a little bit about your diet? I do eat meat. I eat uh, uh, you know, I, I eat, uh, I guess, the normal American diet. I try to shy away from uh, fast foods, uh, boxed and canned items. Uh, I pretty much uh, cook everything from scratch. I I do have a sweet tooth, which I suppose is not the best. I do quite a bit of dairy and bread. I'm a farm girl. <laughs> I'm so right. That sounds, it sounds good to me. <laughs> what I would like to see is if you have um, access um, and ability to transition that dairy into organic and grass-fed, if possible. Okay, I can do that. I'm in a farming area here in this, there you uh, in this area. Yeah. Uh, yes, I can do yeah. that. But and what I'm it, doing. But Similarly, with the meat and the eggs, the more organic that you can consume and the more um, what's called naturally reared. So actually, I don't go for vegetarian chickens because chickens actually need protein. They should be eating insects. But (laughs) nonetheless, um, I think we want to see, you know, an egg from a cage-free chicken um, rather than just a regular kind of. Um, thing that right. is available, and I say that because you say, well, it's kind of a typical American diet. So we're just going to, without changing anything, just bring the quality of those things up. Where most, you know, where most people, I find, um, aren't getting um, as much nutrition as they could for the money and the effort that they're putting out is that they're generally not cooking their vegetables long enough. Yes, I heard you say that we should cook our, like for instance, carrots for an hour, which is foreign to me, but uh, yeah. I'm sure open to your suggestions. <laughs> so give it a try. See if you can find a pan that's big enough to just lay the carrots in without cutting them. And just cover the carrots with water. They don't need to be in a swimming pool. They just need to be covered okay. with water. And bring it to a boil. And when it comes to a boil, turn down the fire so that it still simmers and put a lid on it so that it's actively cooking for an hour. Check in on it now and then just to make sure that you haven't boiled the water away and the fire is sufficiently Mm -hmm. turned down or turned up so that the water is moving. It's actually actively, you know, cooking. Um, in, In fact, by the time you're done cooking the carrots, there may not be much water left at all. Okay. That is easy enough to do, and I will do that. I have been on the herbal side of things. I have been 
recently taking tincture of Mullen, tincture of Boneset. I do a chaparral blood cleanse. I am drinking country, well, I and I so, take so anesthesia. sorry to hear all that. Oh, how awful. Oh, my gosh. I'm really oh, sorry. Oh, no, this is wrong. Is, uh, I'm doing things wrong. Oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, tell me more. There is nothing wrong with your blood, and you can't cleanse it. Chaparral is an herb that should only be used by people who have active cancer. Okay. The tinctures that you're taking, you have COVID right now? No, I've not had COVID. Thank God. Well, those are tinctures to help get rid of COVID. Pardon me, say that again, please. Mullen and bone set are tinctures that help get rid of COVID. There's no particular reason I can think of for just taking them. Oh, I thought maybe it could be a preventative and a strength no, to my lung. No. Okay. Okay. So. Want mullen to be a preventative? You need to do mullen infusion. Okay, and that would be the leaves. That would be the leaves okay. and ounce. Weighed out in a quart of water. Uh-huh. Right. I understand your protocol for the ounce and then water. I I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, comfrey, as far as comfrey, drinking that. Is there any herb that is specific for my lung situation? I don't have any indication that anything is wrong with my lungs, mm-hmm. but I, I, I am concerned about the spot that, you know, I suppose eventually I'll probably have to undergo some way of finding out it's you know, it's what it's doing or if it's grown or not, or even if it is cancer. I don't know that it is. I hear you. I certainly agree that you have to. Um, one of the big problems that modern medicine faces is overdiagnosis and uh, looking for one thing and finding another and then trying to find out what the other thing is and uh, winding up doing a lot of damage to the person along the way just to find out that, oh, it was, was yeah. nothing at all. So yeah, I hear that you're putting fear. off most of those tests. That sounds very reasonable to me. And the primary thing that I always say to people who are concerned about their lungs is the most important thing that you can do for your lungs is to breathe. And yoga has asanas, where we move the body, but it also has pranayama, which is breathing exercises. Alternate nostril breath is a really important pranayama. And if you even do two or three minutes of alternate nostril breath on a daily basis, you will do an enormous amount to strengthen and heal your lungs. Wonderful, and I imagine that's outside in fresh air. If, you, if it can be, how wonderful! Yeah. yeah. Okay. All I right. Feel I feel great talking to you. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. Okay, Sarah Ellen. Let's see if we can get the last caller in here. All right, very good. From the 570 area code, you are now live on the air with Susan. Susan. Hi. I have a quick question about making my chicken bone broth, actually, because I just have never had anyone one-on-one do this, and I'm just working out of Sally's books, and I'm just wondering, like, um, 
I, you know, I don't strain it very well. I have a lot of murky looking stuff all the time and um, I'm not skimming off the fat or anything. I'm just wondering like, you know, how much of like, is there, is there like a reason why you would clarify the broth more so that it was, you know, um, more absorbable or more easily assimilated or um, anything like that, really? You're confusing powers of scale. Mm-hmm. What size piece of food do you absorb? Ah, uh, very small, very, very small. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Certainly not something that can be affected by straining. Right. So it is just aesthetic and, and maybe... It's purely aesthetic. I was okay. going to say the only reason to do that if you're, you know, in a contest or you want to have a clear consomme or... And and there's nothing... I have nothing against that. Right. Right. Okay. But, you know, if if it's just bone broth... Basically what bone broth is, is like chicken bone broth. It's chicken soup without the vegetables, right? Mm-hmm. And just just... Cook it. I throw, mm-hmm. you know, I like to throw some bay leaves and um, things like that um, in, but it's all good. However yeah. you do it. Yeah. I just made a cod chowder and I used a, um, as the basis of it, some uh, um, shrimp broth I had made from boiling the shrimp shells. Yeah. I've and read, I had to use onion that. peel, so the broth was like, like pink orange, it was a beautiful color. Anyhow, I think it's time for Maureen Walton. Thank you. Good night, green blessings. Maureen has worked in many fields of artistic endeavor, but for the past twenty years. She has been a professional mural artist. She mostly works in schools, both elementary schools and in colleges. Maureen traveled from her Marysville studio home to paint, from Kingston to Toronto and all the way to Bancroft. Since 2010, she began to use her artistic skills to draft diagrams, yantras, and inspiration illustrations of inspirational messages that are coming to her of female creation technology. This began in 2008 with her introduction to the Inca Luminous Structure Meditation Yandra. Maureen has also called to express the path and work of the leading women in the Iroquois peacemaker story. Maureen has two wooded acres with two yurts where she hosts small biannual retreats based on room teachings calling in other teachers to collaborate with her. She just retired from her 20-year career of painting freehand murals and is now focusing on those retreats. Maureen has always been a feminist with a lot of questions. (laughs) So, welcome to the show, Maureen. Thank you so much for having me. What interesting work you've been doing. Murals are so 
to me, um, so poignant in terms of how they allow us not just to tell our story, but to um, tell our story in a way that others have to see. Yes, I guess what I really love is that they're really public. They're not in the galleries. They're out there for, for everyone. Yes. There's a kind of in-your-face about a mural. Right. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. And I loved working with the, um, with, with the kids and with the teachers, you know, and working with their themes, but being able to totally visually interpret it however I wanted. And I guess what really excited me was living here right beside the Mohawks uh, when they asked me to paint their traditions in their school, that's when I started getting connected with the uh, womb mysteries. Tell us because more about, have, about how yeah, that came well, Yeah, you know the, the Peacemaker story. Um, um, tell it for the people who don't know it. <laughs> yes, well, believe it or not, like it's a group of five, and there's three very powerful women in it that... Um, two of them are virgin birth, like self-conceiving avatars, I'll say. And, and the third one is um, called the Mother of Nations, who was the teacher of the peacemaker. And she has been kept alive in, the, um, uh, in history right up until the 1800s. There was a confederacy of uh, women peacekeepers with her, Jagansase, as the um, sugarhead. And some say she, her, she goes right back to the creation story. Um, it's a huge um, story, and it really pulled me in, being asked to paint, paint it. So that seemed quite an honor. Wow. So in the Peacemaker story, there's three women, and you were asked to paint about all three of them, or this one particular one who's the mother of nations? Well, I ended up painting all of them. Um, I ended up painting the whole, like I was given the story orally, and then I interpreted it visually, like down the halls, around the corner, through the gym. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so as you can imagine, I'm pretty worn out now because it's physically demanding, and I'm a pretty small person. Mural painting is very physically demanding, yes. Large brushes. That's right, huge brushes. So, um, yeah, so that really connected me, got me curious about the womb and what's this self-conceiving all about. And what did you find out? Well, one thing led to another. I started searching online in 2010 and, um, like, uh, no, more like 2012, and uh, I met a woman who was study- had been studying for 10 years in, um, uh, in, in the Andes uh, with the Kiro Indians, and um, they had this um, meditation from pre-contact um, that was a heart-to-womb meditation, and I'd never heard of any meditation system based on the womb before and so I was I pursued that and um, it wasn't a direct link but it basically um, 
kind of came together in the big picture that I think now, after 10 years, that this may be one of the practices that the um, Mohawk women here possibly used to uh, self-conceive. So it's a big story. I could go on for a long time. Um, Do. We're all ears. Well, um, I brought that that meditation of um, called the luminous structure, joining heart and womb, um, and I brought the teach. I brought the woman who was working with the Kiro for ten years. I brought her here, and that was my first retreat here on my little two wooded acres here. And she taught us that tradition. And then at that time, then I started. Um, I wanted a place to create a little sanctuary for this work. And I, I actually, um, what inspired me, I was looking for um, a dark sanctuary. Um, and it was just at that time that the red tent was starting to become known or become, you know, by Elisa Starkweather. And I came down to her retreat and you were there. That was about 10 years ago. I actually met you then. Yeah, I saw my first, um, she had set up um, a red tent there that was uh, a yurt. And I thought, okay, you know, that inspired me. So I have a little 10 foot diameter yurt here. And we make it totally dark so that it's a receiving space. And we do that meditation in it. And it's so it's not about doing like healing or release work. It's just about receiving and and seeing the dark as divine and the dark of the womb, and the dark as the source, the cosmic mother, the uh, we'll call it wisdom. The Wirakucha is what the Andeans call it, uh, or the Sophia is the um, the source of life is in the darkness. So that's the other thing we really are wanting to change the. Language around the dark, you know. We can't be using the darkness as um, referring to anything negative or evil. Because it's really our life source, you know. Wouldn't you, have you noticed that, how the darkness is used inappropriately? Yes. As a matter of fact, it's why I call myself a green witch. Because I, Ah. people would say, oh, you're a witch. Are you a white witch or a black witch? And I would look at my skin and I would say, well, it looks like this time I'm a white witch. And they would say, well, that's not what I mean. And I would say, oh, really? All innocence, what do you mean? And they say, well, white is good and black is bad. I'm like, really? And then I'd have to give them a mini lecture on racism. And so after a while, you know, if it fell on really deaf ears, people just did not get it that white, good, black, bad is the heart of racism. Um... And I'm so happy that finally people are getting it. Oh, hurrah. So I just decided to, to opt out and become a green witch, and nobody, you know, except for a few jokes oh. in the meantime, nobody asks me anymore if I'm a good witch or a bad witch. So. <laughs> uh, well, we still, but, uh, yes, that was a good plan. But the deep and I am, have long been a voice for the deep and nourishing dark. 
And uh, when people say, oh, you know, imagine a planet illuminated everywhere, I say, oh, I think the only way we could get that is atomic war, so let's not imagine that. It should be a planet that's half exactly. light and half dark at any one time. Exactly. We have to get back to the balance. And, and yeah, the darker the womb, I mean, you're born out of the darkness. So, um yeah, it's a beautiful place. So I have my little uh, dark lodge here to try and, you know, <laughs> get that happening. And to help women reestablish that womb energy, the meditation that you're talking about has given rise in your art to diagrams you say could you tell us about that oh thanks yes well this um this meditation heart to womb um was given to me as two triangles so you know um, the descending triangle which is the feminine surrounds the heart and the ascending masculine triangle surrounds the womb so it's like the masculine is protecting the uh the womb and and the feminine is protecting the heart, and um, they're they're um, you know uh, one, the masculine is lifting the heart energy, and and the um, feminine is pulling the heart energy. I'm sorry, the womb pulling the heart energy down to the womb. So there's this, yeah, it's very. Um, uh, it, well, I realized after a while, after I was drawing this a few times, that we're really talking about cones of energy. So I was drawing it in three dimensions so you could get a real sense of the energy like this vortex coming down. And um, um, then one thing led to another. And uh, I did, uh, as far as my plant connection goes, um, I did a lot of the um, Aya to help me connect in with this too. And I started to... A lot of the what? I used... I. um, sat in the ayahuasca ceremonies quite a bit to help me to to pull in more of this uh, understanding because that would connect me with the Andes. So I started to realize that there was um, a horizontal, like the feminine is more expansive. And what's all this vertical, just vertical? What about the horizontal energies? And uh, so that led to, to another... Um, uh, schematic um, combining the horizontal triangles and the vertical ones. So I'd be happy to send some, some pictures of that. It's a bit hard to explain just verbally, but um, when I put it together, um, it turned into this beautiful, like a sacred geometry piece. And when I searched online, I found the exact... Um, uh, diagram in a Indian, um, you know, copper yantra, um, and it was the Saraswati uh, goddess. So, so all these connections started happening, and one thing led to another, and I'm still searching and pursuing where that's going to take me. Yes, it's reminding me of the the Sri yantra. It does come from the Sri Yantra, I think. You know, it, I think it must be a global, um, a, a global practice. You know, um, that that is specific to women. 
uh, women, you know, with because it's working the womb energy, which is uh, um, incredible that we have that there's not much said about that, that the womb is this incredible pocket of perfection. You know, it doesn't mean any healing. It's already, I mean, all the trauma is around the womb, right? And but the womb itself is this um, like a little cosmic pocket of perfection inside. Mm, what a beautiful, beautiful way to put it. Well, thanks. Yeah, if, I, I really. If people want to get <laughs> in touch with you and learn more about this, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, um, I have a website, just MaureenWalton.com, and I'm on. You know, I post uh, a lot because it's so quick and easy on um, Instagram with, uh, and it's Wildwood Sojourn is the name of my little retreat center. Wildwood uh, Sojourn. Lovely. With a Y. With yeah. a Y. W-Y-L-D. My, Wildwood. Yeah, I asked my mother to name it just before she left, so that's her contribution. So, so, um, so you said before that we need to change the language around dark being evil. What have you found is a good way to do that? Oh, gosh. Um, well, just by having a my physical little yurt here and every new moon, you know, for I, I host, I let anyone come, no charge, just come for an evening and um, sit in the dark with me. And just, you know, all it can be, I think, is one by one coming and physically mm-hmm. sitting in the dark. And we meditate with our eyes open, right? Because you don't need to close them when you're in the dark. And then we live in the outer world. Sorry? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then the inner world and the outer world is like one and it's very expansive. It's a bit trippy actually. Even without you know, even just without any help. <laughs> just and, in, uh, in the dark. Yes. Yes. I was teaching in uh, New Zealand at a, oh, yes. a at a university and I was together with the students all day. And the the sun began to set, and we were inside, and um, someone said, should we turn the lights on? I said, well, you know, we're talking about the deep and nourishing dark, so why don't we just leave the lights off and see what that's like? And so I continued to talk, and we sat there in the classroom, in the gathering dusk, and really let the dark come. And let ourselves not push it away with light. And no sooner was it really dark than there was a knock on the door. Knock, 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 knock. We said, yes. They said, what are you doing in there in the dark? And I said, teach. And they said, you can't teach in the dark. Turn the lights on. Well. And I thought that was very interesting, that I couldn't teach in the dark. Wow, really? They were that forceful. That's amazing. Yes, oh, yes. This is a big university, and I was not going to be allowed to sit there in a darkened classroom. Wow. Wow. That's serious. <laughs> well, the dark, oh, my is, goodness. the dark is serious, you know. The dark is where all of, the, all of our fears are. Well, yes, but um, 
you know, there's two sides to the dark, you know. There's there's the other side, just like, you know, no one talks about the bad light. Burnout and overexposure and, um, you know, you can't escape. You know, what I learned is I lived in the Arctic for a year, and when the sun did not set is when the depression or the suicide happened. Yes. No one could escape. Nobody could rest, right. you know. We got it upside down and backwards. Yes, I remember being there. Um, and it, wasn't, it wasn't even in the middle of the summer. It was more like, you know, August. But I finally said to people, okay, I know you all are all ready to, like, stay up all night, but I'm going to sleep. Good night. And were you able to? No, yes. Even with the sun shining? I close my eyes, then I am in the dark. And I say sleep, and I sleep. Good. Awesome. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, the light, we have to, uh, yeah, so that's another schematic I've done, is like there's four aspects, you know, good and bad dark, and good and bad light. Although I, I guess I should change up the words from good and bad and find something more appropriate. But you know mm. what I mean. I do. I do, yes. My first Zen koan, my lifetime Zen koan, was the difference between good and bad is the sickness of the human mind. So what do we really mean? We must ask ourselves, right? So we mean helpful light, not helpful light, helpful dark, not helpful dark. Right, okay. That my, my granddaughter, my granddaughter, you know, helps me in the barn, and we go into the dark barn, and she goes, oh, it's dark, oh, I'm frightened, I'm frightened. And I say, you know, you really cure yourself up to be frightened of the dark. I said, yes. what, are you, what, what are you frightened of? She said, anything. I said, right, anything could, anything could be in the dark. But what about I, when she cozies up into bed at night, snuggle into bed, turn the lights off, and you can really, you know, that's a nice dark. Oh, yeah, but she's a teenager. Teenagers don't do that. They go to sleep oh. with the light of their computers, phones, and TVs. Oh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's going to be a big job. And it was very interesting. When I was dark. in the hospital, of course, they would not let me be in the dark at all. And I had to yeah. learn very much like to sleep in the dark. I think it's very healthy to sleep in the dark, dark, dark. But I had to learn to sleep yeah. in the light when I was in the hospital, or I wasn't going to be sleeping. Mm. Because you're not, they're, they're just not going to let you be in the dark. I don't think you can go really deep, you know, into deep sleep, can you? Without the dark. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what our brains are capable of. Certainly mm-hmm. for people who have to you know, get up and work at times when they, um, when it's dark out. It can be very disruptive to their yes. health. Yes, and it's true. One of the one of the reasons that I came to really, you know, see the usefulness of the dark was Louise Lacey and her lunaception of restoring uh, harmony to her menstrual cycle by sleeping in the dark and 
she says, I mean dark, I mean dark curtains on the windows and towels under the door and no telltale lights of any kind, dark, dark, dark. Yes, yes, that's really, really... Oh, and of course, uh, you know, and I should say, I travel with a mask. I travel with mm-hmm. a weighted pillow, a little weighted pillow and a mask, so I can always be mm-hmm. in the dark, sleeping in the dark wherever I am, whatever time it is. Wow, that's good. Yeah, that would really help. Yeah. Um, yes, because even just a little crack of light can really, you know, your focus goes there. Right. And when it's totally dark, you're, it's very expansive and freeing. Yes. Can I mention, I just remembered too, something that I have. Um, um, I'm hosting now a, a roundtable of six women. I call them my womb room-wise women, and we do um, a, a video each month where we choose a topic like of the womb technology and or of the matriarch or, or the blood mastery, and um, I'd love people, or I'd love you to visit and, um, that. Uh, it sounds like a lot of fun. It is. Yeah. Yeah, and... and um, People go to your website and they can find out about this at your website. Um, or is it a different that's address? That's a good idea. I better I better announce it there. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it's on Facebook right right now. It's a it's on it's Facebook a, right now. Okay. Um, yeah, it's. So if you go to Maureen Walton on Facebook, um, or Wildwood Sojourn on Facebook, or what? Wildwood Sojourn. Is my Wildwood Sojourn is my um, Wildwood Sojourn at Facebook. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. All right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, and, I really, I really appreciate the work you've been doing for so long, and I, um, you know, in my little woods here, I I have wild ginger growing. Uh-huh. Is that pretty? I'm lucky, I think. Eh? Isn't that marvelous? That is great. Mm-hmm. Your Marysville. I don't know where Marysville is. Well, it's um, it's near Kingston. It's just on the north shore of Lake Ontario. Kingston, Ontario. Okay. You yeah. probably don't know, but the nearest county seat to me is Kingston, which is 10 miles away. <sighs> In Kingston, Canada. Kingston, Ontario, yeah. Kingston, um, Ontario. Yeah. Okay. So you well, live in to, Ontario. Wonderful. And when you talk yeah. about um, technology, um, I can hear our listeners going, huh? What? What? She's diagramming <laughs> what? Te- wound technology? What's that? Is that like assisted, um, you know, uh, fertility? No, not at all. But I guess you could also call it alchemy. But it, just because we're we're looking at this process of how we move, um, like the the blood in the womb is so rich and full of this um, cosmic um, soul energy that we can direct um, to our heart for our own, you know, um, enlightenment. Um, or we can, you know, we can work this around and we're not taught how to do this and 
there's really not too much written. So we're trying to um, understand this ourselves and work this out ourselves. So it feels like technology because we're working the energies and we're directing them and we're uh, working with horizontal energies and, you know, so that's what we're calling it. Does that make sense? I think so. Um, so, totally what, natural. Does, what does technology mean? I guess to me it's like a, a similar to alchemy of understanding how things work and, um, you know, you're combining heart energies with earth energies and cosmic energies and you're, you know, we're doing this, I think, now. So here's, here's what I understand. Um, for thousands, possibly tens of thousands of years, people lived in communion with nature, with plants and animals and the um, forces of the wind and the rain and the sun and the earth. And yes. we became, bit by bit, more separate from that and began yeah. to become users of nature more than participants yes. in nature. But nonetheless, we retained this understanding that what's called animism, that there's an animate spirit in nature and in things. And that mm-hmm. came pretty much to a full tilt stop with alchemy. Alchemy was oh. the man's way of taking things that were alive, killing them and separating them into their constituent parts so that they no longer had any soul or spirit. That's what alchemy is. Wow, thanks for share, telling me that. I didn't understand that. Alchemy is not about combining things. It's about taking things apart. From oh, alchemy, we get pharmacy. Oh, my goodness. Drugs. It's a total masculine, uh, yeah. Completely the masculine way to do it. And it's at this point that the female, because I don't say masculine and feminine, I use female and male. It's the female way of interrelating with plants started to get lost. Alchemy marks right. the beginning of the end. Right. So, and what was the goal? The goal was to turn base things into gold. Right. To turn the dark into the light. That was the goal of alchemy. Oh, wow. That's exactly uh, what I'm trying to counter. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, so, uh, yeah, I, so I'm going to have, I, I wonder, um, I'm going to look again at technology or more closely at that word. Right, because that's pretty much what most people think of as technology is, again, that male way of power over. Uh huh. Now, but free energy. Rather than working power with. Right. Mm hmm. Now, like free energy is interesting to look at. That seems more harmonious and balanced and inclusive, you know, where. Um, the way, um, the way, uh, I don't know, to use the word technology, you know, the, um, there's some similarities with, uh, the, with the way anti-gravity devices are made. So that's a whole other subject, but 
it uh, isn't even we have come to that part of the show where I ask you what you would like to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's been listening to you. Well, that um, to please um, sit in the dark and um, with a, like do your release work first and clear your mind so that when you go into the dark, you're there to receive benevolent beauty and, um, and, and let's learn to connect to the, um, uh, the feminine principle or the, the female, the womb. And uh, there's incredible um, power and unknown, you know, we create on all levels everything. We don't create just babies with our wombs. So let's start learning more about uh, our wombs. Maureen Walton at Wildwood Sojourns. Thank you so much for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. And Sarah Ellen, thank you for helping me to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Thank you all for listening and for sharing your stories. I'm so moved by everyone tonight. Wow. Green blessings certainly are all around us. Good night, everybody. Green blessings. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Thank you so much.